Well, hey there, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Zeke Said So Show. This is the one and only show where we talk about all things movie news, video games, comics, television, all that sorts of good stuff. And, uh, yeah, we are going to be talking about a lot of things, a lot of different uh, things here on the Zeke Said So. Uh, let me just add something here to my notes. There we go. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff here on the uh, Zeke Sudso show today. It's just me doing a solo show today. Um, first of all, and I, and I should I should say this. Thank you to all of you who have left really good um, feedback and discussion on uh, last week's um, episode. You guys uh, uh, have messaged me telling me how much you loved having... Um, a co-host, how much you loved having Michael on the show, and and that's and that's great. And I I know he I know he likes being on the show, so we're gonna try and I'm gonna try and have him on more. Uh, definitely gonna try and have him on way way more. Couldn't do it today because I ended up filming. I ended up recording this on uh, Saturday, just literally about mm, like three hours before uh, before this episode actually goes up. So. Um. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot. Of, we're talking about a lot of things today. We're talking about the Flash and the future of DC, and talk about um, filmmakers that have inspired me. That will be kind of like that will probably take up the main uh, majority of our show today. Uh, and then we're gonna review two, mo- and then we're gonna end off by reviewing two of the new release films this weekend: No Hard Feelings and Asteroid City. Okay. So let's go ahead and uh, let's 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 start with this flash business, okay? Let's start with this DC thing. Now, obviously, the Flash has come out. Um, it was released last weekend, uh, and it is not doing good at the box office. Although a majority of people seem to have liked it. I mean, let me look up the reviews real quick. Um, I'm I haven't checked what the audience score is for the flash. I know the critic score is at 66, so a majority of critics like it. Um Okay, the the audience score isn't isn't bad. The audience score is an 84%, so which is great. Which is which is really great. Um You guys know how much I ended up loving the film. Um if you saw the spoilers review last if you heard if you were listening to our spoilers review last weekend, uh, you know, Michael thought it was okay, and uh, you know that, well, I mean, you guys don't know because he hasn't been on the show in a while. Um, my, my old friend, uh, uh, Robert, uh, well, he's not even my old friend, he's, we're still friends. Um, my uh, my good friend, uh, Robert Martinez, uh, ended up thinking the, the movie was good, but had, but he had a lot of issues with it, and that that's understandable. Look, and and that's understandable, you know, everyone has their own opinion on The Flash, and I'm not here to change anybody's mind on that film. If you didn't like... I know I I heard a lot of people telling me that they did not like The Flash, and that's perfectly fine. If you did not like The Flash, then there's nothing wrong with that. It's, It's just like any DC movie. If you liked it, great. If you didn't like it... That's okay, you know. Same with same with a Mar. I say the same thing with a Marvel movie. I say the same thing with a uh, Star Wars movie, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, anything. If you liked it, great. If you didn't like it, oh well. And hopefully the next one works out for you. Uh, 
But The Flash is definitely not doing well as far as box office goes. Um, last week, during its Friday through Sunday totals, uh, it made $55.7 million. And if you were to take last week, uh, last week was a three day, it was a holiday weekend. If you look, if you took the holiday into consideration, Friday through Monday's totals, the Flash ended up making sixty four point two million dollars. Okay. Um. That is a that is a lot lower than what the projections were. The studio, I think, had projected it to come in around. Uh, 70 million, uh, 75 million, I think, is what they projected. Um, but this is lower than that. This is definitely lower than that. Definitely made more on its opening weekend than something like Shazam Fear of the Gods. So let's, let's compare the Flash's opening weekend numbers. We're going to compare the 64.2 million, since that was the, the final reported number. Um, we're going to go and stick with that $64.2 million. So let's compare that to the other DC uh, movies, to the more recent DCEU movies. Let's start with Birds of Prey. Uh, Birds of Prey, when that movie came out, opened up to $33 million uh, worldwide. Uh, opened up to $33 million. Had a $33 million domestic opening. Which led to a $205.3 million worldwide total. Now, $205 million, now you got to keep in mind, Birds of Prey came out just shortly before the pandemic started. It had maybe two or three weeks in theaters, and then all of a sudden, pandemic started, and it was forced out of theaters real quick. Then you have Wonder Woman 1984, which you also have to put an asterisk besides that one, because that movie came out while we were still in the middle of the pan, while we were still in the middle of quarantine and lockdown and all that stuff, um, Wonder Woman opened up to about sixteen point seven million dollars and made a worldwide total of one hundred and sixty nine point six million dollars. Okay, now again, pandemic released on HBO Max at the same time, so that's why it's so low. The Suicide Squad, another movie that was put on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time, opened up to about $26.2 million and totally worldwide made $168.7 million worldwide, okay? Then you go to Black Adam, which we don't have to put an asterisk beside it because Black Adam came out last year right when theaters were doing great, Top Gun Maverick was out, uh, Avatar, Top Gun Maverick and Avatar had kind of saved movie theaters. Um, so, Bla so Black Adam kind of came out around this time. Black Adam opened up to $67 million, a lot better than The Flash did, but couldn't, but could not crack $400 million as it only made $393.2 million worldwide. And then the most recent film in the DCEU, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, opened up to about $30.1 million. And worldwide, worldwide, 
opened up, made a grand total of $133.7 million. That is a huge, huge, huge flop for DC. So when you take all these numbers into consideration, at this point, with a $64.2 million opening weekend, it is possible that The Flash could suffer the same fate as Shazam! Fear of the Gods. Now, let's look at The Flash here, as far as box office. I want to say... Um... I'm trying to see if it's... Um, let me go ahead and open it up on Box Office Mojo. Um, yeah, so, so far, totally... Um, so far... It, it ha that I will say it has done a little bit better so far. I mean, uh, the the worldwide total is bumped up to one hundred to one hundred seventy six point seven million dollars. However, with a movie like The Flash that has a two hundred million dollar budget, that's not including advertising. That's not including advertising. A two hundred dollar a two hundred million dollar film. You take marketing into consideration. This movie has to make three times its budgets. There's that. There, it's a classic rule that a movie has to make three times its budget in order to be considered profitable. The Flash is going to end up losing money. It's going to be a money loser for the studio, you know. And it is a shame because this is the Flash is actually a very good movie and doesn't deserve to lose all this money. Like other DC films on that list. Birds of Prey, okay, yeah. Wonder Woman 1984, okay, yeah. As much as I loved the film, The Suicide Squad, I get it. Because Suicide Squad was coming off of a really bad, like really, really bad first Suicide Squad film. The Flash was really coming off of, you know, Justice League. I mean, yes, the theatrical, not, 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 I'm not even talking about the theatrical cut. I'm talking about the, the Snyder cut. It was coming off of the Snyder cut of Justice League. You know? Which, which a lot of people really loved, and a lot of people really love. And I'll be honest, a lot of people have considered the Snyder cut, like, DCEU canon. <laughs> like, I've never heard a single person say, oh, yeah, no, that's just an Elseworlds movie. No, a lot of people have thought of it as DCU canon. So, um, but it was coming off of that. But I think ultimately the reason why this movie flopped, in my opinion, here's why the movie flopped. A lot more people knew about the Ezra Miller drama than we thought. Well, 
let let okay let me let me back this up. There's two specific reasons, and the first one I do believe is what I just mentioned. A lot more people knew about Ezra Miller's bullshit than than we than than we kind of figured. When you take into consideration all the things. All the things that Ezra Miller had been accused of. Okay? Just everything. No, what? What? Oh, my dear God. Okay, never mind. Ah. Well, subscribe to this. No. After that. Um, okay. That's better. Okay. You go, go, this is, this goes back to April 6th, 20, uh, 2020. What is this website doing? Gosh. Okay. Stop it now. Okay. April 6th, 2020. Video of, uh, video services of Miller appearing to choke a woman and throw her to the ground at a bar in Iceland, okay? That that same year, while still in Iceland, Miller invites local musicians to spend time with them at a hotel, uh, at Hotel Laugar Baki while recording music, including that including a then 18-year-old young woman who later alleges Miller psychologically abused her and became fixated on her breeding capabilities. <laughs> okay, that's really bad. Then you go to then fast forward after the movie was shot to March 19th, 2022. The first in a series of legal issues in Hawaii, Miller is arrested for allegedly obstructing a, a highway in downtown uh, Hilo and refusing to cooperate with police. Okay, March twenty eighth, twenty twenty two, Miller is arrested again in Hawaii. This time for disorderly conduct at a Honolulu karaoke bar after he allegedly yell after allegedly yelling obscenities and becoming agitated with patrons who were who were singing. Miller claims to have been a, a uh, accosted by a, a accosted by a Nazi. Uh, that's weird. Never heard that one before. Um, and accused the police of a hate crime after they referred to Miller, who is non-binary, as sir. Okay. Uh, March 29th, twenty twenty, a Hilo a Hilo couple files a restraining order against Miller, alleging the the star of the Flash. Burst into the couple's bedroom, threatened to kill them, and stole a wallet and passport. The restraining order was dropped several weeks later, but okay, that's bad. Just and then April nineteenth, just days after the premiere of Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore, Miller is arrested for suspicion of second degree assault uh, in Hawaii after allegedly throwing a chair that struck a woman in the head. Resulting in a half-inch cut. Okay, June twenty twenty-two. Uh, the parents of, and I'm I'm probably gonna butcher this this first name. 
Tokata Tokata uh, Iron Eyes I, Iron Eyes That's what it says here people An 18 year old activist and member of a so wow I wow I'm terrible at these pronunciations I'm so sorry Nation a uh, nation tribe who had known Miller since they were 12 obtained a protective order against Miller for psychologically manipulating, physically intimidating, and endangering the safety and welfare of their daughter. In other words, in other words, he was grooming a a girl since she was the age of 12. And because Miller spoke of of a messiah who wanted to lead an indigenous revolution, Ironhide's uh, that Ironhide's mother told uh, Vanity Fair. Okay, June tenth, twenty twenty. Okay, so, so a mother and her twelve year old child are granted a temporary harassment preve- prevention order against Miller, who they allege showed up to their neighbor's house wearing a bulletproof vest acted erratic <laughs> wow erratically and harassed the child by touching their hips Woo, oh man this and 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 all this just keeps going all this just keeps going you you have uh, rolling stone reports miller had been uh, had been housing a woman and her three young children at their home in vermont in an alleged unsafe environment for children including Easy, accessible guns and ammunition, heavy marijuana use, and unlicensed marijuana uh, cultivation. Uh, the mother says Miller had helped her escape an abusive relationship and describes the environment as safe, but the incident prompts the Vermont Child Services Department to attempt to serve her an emergency care order to remove the children from her custody. Okay? And then finally... On August 8th, 2022, Miller is charged with felony burglary, allegedly taking bottles of alcohol from a private Vermont residence, uh, though this charge is dropped in January after Miller pleads guilty for trespassing. And then in August 15th, 2022, in a statement, Miller apologizes to everyone that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior and promises to seek treatment for complex mental health issues. Okay. So you take all that into consideration. All that. All that drama. Headlines after headlines after headlines after headlines after headlines after headlines of grooming 12-year-old little girls. Um, creating an unsafe living environment for three young children. Psychologically manipulating people. Throwing chairs at people's heads. Threatening. Breaking into somebody's house and threatening to kill them. You hear all of this. And you expected the Flash to make any kind of money under these circumstances. When you have somebody starring in the film and the film's star is acting completely outrageous. Behind the scenes. Now, look. From what we heard from everybody who worked with him on the movie, uh, Andy Muschietti says that that Ezra Miller is one of the best actors he's ever worked with and all this stuff, and that's great. That's great. 
But you cannot continue under those circumstances. Under all that that I just read off. Very terribly read off because I can't read. Because I apparently can't read. Um, or I have a hard time pronouncing these things. But every little bit of that that I just read. You, there's no way in hell that this movie was going to make any kind of a profit. That's number one. The other number two thing is that the DCEU is a mess. The DCEU is a complete mess. Um, DCEU release order. Okay. So even like even going back to something like Man of Steel, okay? Man of Steel. Um didn't do terrible at the box office, you know? Made two hundred and ninety one million dollars domestically and a worldwide total of six six hundred and sixty eight million dollars. Okay, that's you know, that's that's good normally. But the studio was expecting way more than that. Now let's look at Batman vs. Superman, which is a movie that in its sleep should have made a billion dollars at the box office. Batman vs. Superman opened to $166 million, ended up making a total, domestic total of $300 and $30 million with a worldwide total of $873.6 million. Then you go back. Go to Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad comes out. Open, opened up to $133 million. Domestically made three twenty-five dollars and made a worldwide total of $746 million. Then you go to Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, worldwide, made $821 million. Big win for them. But then we go to Justice League. The theatrical cut, not not the Snyder cut. The theatrical cut of Justice League. Opening weekend, $93.8 million. With a worldwide total of $657 million. A movie that should have... Made two billion dollars, not not a billion, two billion dollars. Made six hundred and fifty-seven point nine million dollars. Now you guys may not remember because the video is not up. I don't think the video is on my YouTube channel. Actually, let me actually check if I have it at all here. I might not I might not have it uh on my YouTube channel because my my YouTube channel a lot of a lot of my older videos got just completely uh let's see here 
will be 2017, so these are 2018 videos. 2017, uh, nope, nope, not on here. Do I have it anywhere? I think I have it backed up somewhere. Let me see. Take a look. Let's see. Might have it backed up somewhere. Nope, I don't see it anywhere. Okay, well that's that's fine. But back, but but essentially back in 2017, I remember I made a YouTube video with, with me and Robert actually got on camera and talked about this. We talked about how DC, what should DC do now that Justice League is a bomb? And a lot of people were saying, oh, nope, you got to reboot it. Got to reboot the DCU. Got to reboot it. And I said, I said, now, hold on, hold on. I don't think we should reboot just yet. Because they still have a lot of movies like Shazam and Aquaman and all that stuff. Then we got to Aquaman. Aquaman is the only DCEU movie that made $1.1 billion. Now, where does it rank among the all-time grosses? The all-time worldwide numbers? Let's see. Because there's a lot of mo there's there's a lot of movies that have made a billion dollars, but let's see where Aquaman ranks among those. Okay. As soon as my computer will load up. Thank you. Thank you, Spectrum Internet. Thank you so much. So Aquaman, when you look at the worldwide lifetime grosses, okay, the worldwide lifetime grosses, Aquaman is at number 27, right in between Captain America Civil War at number 26 and Lord of the Rings Return of the King at number 28. The Super Mario Brothers movie made more than Aquaman. That's that's just insane. That's really really crazy. Anyway, um, uh, let's let's go back here. Let's go back here. Okay, and then we had uh the first Shazam film. First Shazam film was didn't didn't open huge, made about three hundred six, and I think was with Shazam is where we really started to see the downfall of DC because Shazam comes out and makes three hundred sixty five million dollars. Okay, um, Birds of Prey was the next one, which of course we already talked about. 205 million 
one over nineteen eighty four one sixty nine point six Suicide Squad one sixty eight Black Adam three hundred ninety three so we saw a little bit of an uptake there but again couldn't crack four hundred million which it needed to make four hundred million dollars just to break even but it didn't break even and then Shazam of course one thirty three. This is a definite sign that the audience is done with this version of DC and that it's time to reboot. Um, and The Flash is possibly going to end up failing over the next couple weeks. I mean, this weekend, I think it was reported that Elemental ended up at the number one spot for a Thursday night oh, for the Thursday night showings. That that Elemental, which opened the same weekend as The Flash, is most likely that or Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse are going to be the number one films next weekend. Flash isn't even considered to make, to make the number one spot at the end of this weekend. Now, we'll see what happens tomorrow. We'll, we'll open up the box office and see what happens tomorrow. But just... And by the way, guys... Elemental, it's a good little movie. It's a good little movie. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it. Um, top ten Pixar for me, no, but it's a it's a good little movie, and I think you guys should go and check it out because I think Pixar films deserve to be seen in a theater. Um, but even but like like if you look at this way, but let's look over next weekend, okay? Not this weekend, yes. We had, you know, no no hard feelings and Asteroid City were not going to contend with Flash's numbers. Let's take a look at next weekend. Because next weekend we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Which you know that movie is going to be huge. And then you have... Um, the new DreamWorks animated film, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, which looks like shit. Um, I'm still going to go see it, though, so I can get a review for it. Um, because I actually um, know at least one person who worked on it. Um, but, but yeah, no, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, um, I... I don't I don't know how that's going to compete with Flash's numbers but it is a family film and you don't underestimate family films during the summer movie season because family films tend to do really well especially during the summer season. I mean I mean heck look how much money um Super Mario I mean Super Mario Bros didn't come out over the summer but look how much money that movie made. It's already made a billion dollars. And it's the highest, I believe it's the highest grossing film of 2023. Um, 2023, box office. Yeah, Super Mario Bros. is the highest grossing film domestically um, so far. And then... Ah, uh, what? 
And then worldwide, Super Mario Brothers, number one highest grossing film of the year with with a hundred with one point three billion dollars. One point three billion dollars. And then Guardians is right behind it at eight hundred and twenty five. Fast X is right behind that at 678. Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse is right behind that at $512 million worldwide. And then The Little Mermaid rounds up the top five with $477 million, which I'm surprised. I'm surprised because, you know, a lot of the foreign... It's made a lot more money here in the U.S. than it has in, in the U.S. and Canada... It's made a lot more here than it has in other in other in the other foreign markets, but yeah, um, not a good look for Flash, not a good look for Flash, and I think this proves that DC is going to have to go full on reboot. Um, Superman Legacy. Now, I will say this: this this means we're not going to see anything. For, I don't. A lot of people have asked me, okay, well, since this movie is a flop, do you think we'll ever see, do you think we'll see anybody from this movie come back? If we do, they're going to be different versions of these characters. So if we see Sasha Cali back as Supergirl, she's going to be playing a different Supergirl, okay? Um, there's no way we're seeing George Clooney as, uh, as Batman, <laughs> Or <laughs> spoiler alert for the Flash, but um, we're not seeing George Clooney as Batman. Um, we're not seeing Ezra Miller come back as Flash. Um, Michael Keaton's not going to come back as Batman. Um, yeah, we're not. We're really not going to see any of these. Most of these characters, we're not going to see them again. Sasha Cali, maybe, but because Sasha Cali recently had a meeting with uh, Peter Safran. Uh, about her future in the DCU, so hopefully, hopefully that we can do, we can see that. But I don't think we're, I, I, I highly doubt it at this point. Um, yeah, I just think, I think James Gunn is gonna go full on reboot. I think um, Aquaman will be an Elseworld. I think, I think they're gonna turn Aquaman into an Elseworld story, and I don't think Aquaman is going to survive and be part of the DCU. Um, I think Aquaman 2 will be an Elseworlds movie. Same thing with if they do make a third one, which Peter Safran said that they that they look on that they're looking to make a third one. Um, <clears throat> that will probably end up being an Elseworlds movie. Um, I highly doubt we're gonna see Zachary Levi back as Shazam because the audience has just proven they do not care about this iteration of DCU. Now I'm sure some things will carry over, like Peacemaker will definitely carry over. Um, we know that for sure because uh, James Gunn has already announced the Amanda Waller series with Viola Davis, so that's already that's going to carry over. But everything else, I I I don't I don't see everything else carrying over. In fact, I honestly see them announcing pretty soon that we are not bringing back Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. That we're going to cast someone new. Um, or I, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. All right, guys, we've, we've talked enough about that. Let's go ahead and talk about the, the thing that most likely 
I don't know, that took up a lot of time. 35 minutes. We've been talking about The Flash for 35 minutes. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about. And I want to talk about the filmmakers that have inspired me. Now, I've... You guys know I have more of an interest of being a filmmaker. I want to be a filmmaker. I'm I want to direct films. Um, I'm make. I you guys know I make I made short films. Uh, in fact, what to watch? Uh, what to watch? A love letter to physical media is available now on the Zeke Sensory Pictures YouTube channel. Um, I love I love movies. I want to make movies. Uh, my the ultimate goal for me is to direct films of my own. And over the years, I have been inspired by many, 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 many film directors. But I want to talk about, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I want to talk about nine filmmakers in particular that have inspired me and that have uh, pushed me to want to make movies. Now, I'm not going to do this in any particular order, and this is not me telling you who my favorite directors are. These are just the filmmakers that have inspired me um, and my and my approach and, and how I want to uh, and the, the approach I want to take towards filmmaking. So the first one we're going to talk about is the the man himself, uh, Steven Spielberg. Um, E.T., Jaws, Jurassic Park, Raiders of the Lost Ark, West Side Story. Anybody who has ever wanted to be a filmmaker has been will say that they were inspired by Steven Spielberg. Anybody who has ever wanted to make movies will say that one of their go-to inspirations was Steven Spielberg. Um, the man has just done it all. He's done it in every single genre. Horror, uh, comedies, musicals, um, dramas. He's done it all. Um, and... He's done big budget tentpole movies, and he's done smaller budget in uh, smaller budget dra uh, drama films. Um, he is really, in my opinion, one of the, gr if not the greatest filmmaker of all time. Uh, and you know, that's not to say he hasn't made bad movies. I mean, he's made a couple movies that I thought were just really bad like bfg anybody um <laughs> he's made a lot of made a lot of really bad movies but he has also just made some of the most iconic films of all time i mean i'll never forget watching like jurassic park for the first time or watching jaws for the first time you know in fact, I got I got to do something really cool. I got to see both Jaws and E.T. in theaters last year during their re-release. They did re-releases for both of those films. I got to see both of them in IMAX. And it was one of the best experiences I ever had watching a movie in the theater. Especially watching Jaws in the theater. That was cool. Getting to see that, um, that opening scene in IMAX with just... And and then and then just the ultimate like and just the ultimate reveal of the shark, seeing all of that in IMAX and even like there was something really cool that happened like towards the end of the film, I guess spoiler alert but I'm pretty sure everybody in this world has seen Jaws, um towards the end of the film, 
Um, uh, they they finally kill the shark, and when it happened, the whole theater erupted in in applause, like like they were watching it for the first time. But it's so great. So the next filmmaker we have here on the list is uh, Ryan Johnson. Now Ryan Johnson is a very interesting director for me because he much like Spielberg, likes to tap into different genres whenever he makes a new film. Um, Brick is a detective story set in high school, right? Looper is a science fiction film. Um, Knives Out is a whodunit. Uh, And then you have uh, Star Wars, obviously. He's done a Star Wars movie also. He's done The Last Jedi. Which is controversial, but I don't care. One of the things I love about Ryan Johnson is actually his approach to writing is very, very great because he doesn't just start off on the computer writing that script. He starts off in these notebooks and he starts writing like basically arcs and 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 basically getting an outline in these little small little notebooks and it's inspired me on a lot of levels because i've always i've always had a hard time figuring out how do i want to construct a film how do i want to what like where do i want to go all that stuff and i tried doing just okay let's start on the computer but then i realized once i heard what his process was i started taking a little bit of that and started like doing it myself and it actually works for me, at any rate, to write these move to write outlines first, to do the outlines. Some of them I write on a computer, and some of them I just write, much like Ryan Johnson, in a notebook. Just write down an outline, get the big picture, get, get all the character arcs, um, and then you start writing your first draft. Um, <clears throat> and I can't tell you how helpful his approach to writing has actually been for me because I've gotten so many screenplays written because I was finally able to like nail down a certain writing process. And that was really great. Um, plus his movies are just great. He's just made great movies. I even, I'll be honest. I like brothers bloom. Yeah, I do like the brothers bloom. Um, and he's also directed two of the best episodes of breaking bad with Ozymandias, um, uh, well, three great episodes of Breaking Bad. I, I know a lot of people don't like The Fly. I like The Fly. I think it's a fun little episode. A nice little breather before they get into the really hardcore stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I just think he is so great. No matter what he does, no matter what he directs, he's just so spot on and on point. Like, I just remember watching Glass Onion and thinking, wow, like... This guy knows how to make good sequels to movies because he did it with. I think he, I think he did a great job with the Last Jedi. I know a lot of people disagree with that. That's fine. All film is subjective, but I thought he did a great job with the Last Jedi. Then watching Glass Onion, I thought he did an even fantastic job with Glass Onion, taking a movie like Knives Out and making a sequel that, although I didn't think as good as Knives Out. Definitely is on par with the first one. Like, I love that movie. I've seen it so many times. And I think he's just, he's, he's just a phenomenal director. Just from every, his writing to the filmmaking on display, he's just a great director. And I, and I, 
Can't wait to see what he does in the future. Uh, the next filmmaker we have is Edgar Wright. Now, Edgar Wright, um, Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead, um, uh, I, I thought I had, I thought I had all of his movies here. I guess I only had two written, two written down. Oh, no. There we go. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Baby Driver, uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim, The World's End, uh, most recently, Last Night in Soho, um, the, this man is just, he's great. He is really, really great. Um, I love his I'm if anything I'm fascinated by his approach to editing because you know most edit, most most directors when when like like example Michael Bay Michael Bay shoots with like six cameras and essentially does all of the Essentially, just bleeds those shots together and then cuts within those within those six different cameras, and sometimes that can come off as really choppy and really kind of like head headache inducing. Um, but with Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright just knows, man. That's like knows when the right moment is to just mm, cut to the next shot. Like he'll like he'll have a scene in Baby Driver, the opening, the 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 that scene where uh, uh, Ansel Elgort as as, ba as Baby is walking in with his headphones and he's walking down the street. He's got that long like just tracking shot, perfect. Then he knows how to cut that to a car chase scene where he's cutting where he's cutting through the in and out of the cars and all this stuff. It's it's just great great stuff. And his his comedy is I think really really clever. The the comedy in in most of his films is very very clever, um, whether you're talking about Shaun of the Dead, Hot Buzz, uh, Scott Pilgrim, one of one of the funniest mo thing, moments in any movie ever for me, and I know I say that a lot, but one of the funniest moments in any movie ever for me is actually the scene in Scott Pilgrim, where the girl shows up at the door, and says, you know, is, is Scott is Scott home? Oh, you know what and. <laughs> He just jumps through the window. <laughs> just so great. It, and the comedy, just per, clever, clever humor. Um, and I love I love Edgar Wright so much. I could watch any movie directed by him. And I can't wait to see what he does. Apparently, his next project is a sequel to Baby Driver. And hopefully, because Baby Driver is still my favorite movie he's ever directed. Hopefully, it can be as good, if not better, than the first. The next director is David F. Sandberg. David F. Sandberg, of course, had to be on this list. Are the movie... Has he made movies on the same level as a Spielberg? No, not really. It's his story that really, really um, inspired me. And there's another filmmaker on this list who I've only seen one short film from, 
but he's on this list because of the story that's involved with with his with 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 his journey. David F. Sandberg went from being a guy who made short films on YouTube and ended up becoming a like a director, the director of Lights Out. Took this little Lights Out short that he made for YouTube, that he made for a contest. And then James Wan discovered it and gave him the money to make a feature film out of it. Then went on, would go on and direct Annabelle Creation, which I think is one of the best films in the Conjuring franchise. And then would go on to direct what I think one of the best movies in the DCU, which is Shazam. And I thought he did a damn good job. I thought he did a damn good job with Shazam Fear of the Gods. Now, yeah, Shazam Fear of the Gods not as good as the first film, but still, I thought he did a good job with it. To see him go from being this little YouTuber making stop motion, making little horror short films, and also to see what he does now, where he actually uses his YouTube platform as an online film school. If you guys are interested in being filmmakers, I would recommend checking out um, David F. Sam uh, Sandberg's YouTube channel because it's it is like one of the best. If you want to learn about filmmaking and really learn about what it's like to be on a set and all this stuff, because he he really does kind of give you those those um that kind of that kind of um, instruction and stuff like that, and it it's really inspiring. It's really really inspiring to see. Uh, the next one is uh, Ryan Coogler. Um, just based on the fact that he is so young, but has managed to not make a bad movie. Like Ryan Coogler, in my opinion, has not has managed to make every every movie he he's made is great. Fruitvale Station, great. Creed, great. Black Panther, great. Uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Great. Um, every film he has made, in my opinion, has, is great. Is great, and he has not missed. And I don't know how the man does it because he is like he's so. And the thing is that he's not. It's not like he's making films. Like when he made when he's going into a Marvel movie, it's not like he goes into making Black Panther like, man, I'm gonna half-ass this one. I'll just I'll just show a bunch of action scenes and hopefully the f people will get excited over the action in the movie. No, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna tell a hard-hitting story about a family. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do some Godfather level drama within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And he took that movie and. Ended up becoming the first superhero. Whether you agree with the with the decision, ended up leading that movie to being nominated for Best Picture. So to say that Ryan Coogler has not does not deserve to be on on a list for Best Directors or Most Inspiring, that should certainly do the trick. So. Alright guys, now the audio is going to sound a little bit 
and because I just turned on the fan because it is really, really hot right now. So I, I decided to turn on the fan. So if you hear the fan go on, I, I apologize. So let's go ahead and uh, move on to the next director that I want to talk about, and that is Steven Summers. Now, look. A lot of people look at this and go, Huh? Mummy Returns, Steven Summers? Here's the thing. The thing that has inspired me most about Steven Summers is the fact that he is a director that has still managed to maintain his love for filmmaking even though a lot of the films he's made have gotten panned by critics. There are a lot of people. I've I've met people who have made their own little short films before and all this stuff who give up after they hear criticism about movies that they made that just aren't good. Um, there are a lot of filmmakers who, who decided to give that up, but Steven Summers is one who, um, who, who didn't do that. Um, in fact, he kept making movies despite the fact that he was getting critically, but despite the fact that his movies were be, were being critically panned. Um, and obviously, if you guys have watched me for any period of time, if you guys have been following me for any period of time, you guys know that The Mummy is the movie that made me want to be a director. I mean, it's, it is my, it's my favorite movie because of that reason. Not because I think it's the most perfect movie of all time. No, not at all. It's just, it's mainly because... It's the movie that made me want to direct. It's the movie that sparked that inspiration for me. You know, when I uh, watched that behind-the-scenes documentary and saw just how um, how excited he was after that, um, after seeing that, it inspired me to want to do that I and I remember looking because I because when I was seven I knew I wanted to be a be involved in movies but I imagined like I was gonna maybe like work at a movie theater or maybe write a book about movies or you know teach a class on film or whatever you know that's kind of what I imagined doing but then I discovered this other element of like no I you mean I can actually make these movies that is what really sparked it, and I remember saying to myself, you know what, that's what I want to do. And I remember even going to my mom and saying, that's what I want to do. I want to make, I want to, that, right in that moment when I was nine years old, I knew that is the only thing I ever wanted to do. And I have definitely worked hard since that, and uh, there's a reason why I have a mummy poster um on the wall where I do all my, where I record all my videos, um, there's a reason why the mummy poster is there on that wall because, um, it, like I said, um, it's completely, it's, um, it's inspirational for me. 
it's it it definitely is motivation for me and every time i wake up in the morning i look at that poster and i'm like yeah and it reminds me of what i'm working so hard to build you know um next filmmaker uh jordan peele uh jordan peele is a filmmaker who has um, inspired me just on the fact that his films are so unique. Um, he's not making movies that are telling you what the plot is, you know? Um, a lot of movies don't trust their audience enough to just visually show you what's going on, you know? A lot of movies feel like they have to now say out loud what is happening because they assume that you're stupid. Because they assume that an audience member isn't going to figure it out. But what I love about Jordan Peele is that all of his movies feel like he's not talking down to his audience. He's, he's showing you what is happening. He's actually visually showing you everything that's going on. You know? And no movie could it could express that even more than his most recent film, Nope. Which I contend is one of the best movies I've seen so far this decade. Um, in the 2020 decade, uh, this is the, the, the best movie I've seen so far. One of the best. I, I'm not going to say it's the best because there's a few other films that I, I think there's one other movie that I would put above it. Um, and it's a movie that came out last year that I definitely have become super, inspired by recently um but yeah no jordan peele is a great filmmaker and i think he's fantastic and i can't wait to see what he does next now here's another one who has only who i've only seen one movie from but it's this again it's the story of this individual that put him on that list of the filmmakers who have inspired me and that person is chris stuckman now, Chris Stuckman has inspired me on multiple different levels. Um, this man is the reason why I ended up making uh, be, making movie reviews on YouTube. Um, you know, he. It's funny because Chris Stuckman is a um, is a YouTuber, yeah, and he, you know, is ma he makes a lot of. Um, you know, makes makes a lot of review re reviews a lot of movies, and he's great at that. Yes, but he is. I I remember when I first watched his short film Notes from Melanie, and thinking to myself, "Wow, he is an actually a really good director." Um. And. Not only has he directed films, I mean, he's directing a film right now called Shelby Oaks, which I can't wait to see. Uh, apparently, they've picture-locked on it. I can't wait for that to come out. Um, but he's also 
uh, interviewed other directors on his podcast pre-production, which has become one of my favorite podcasts to listen to now. Um, and uh, I, I've read both of the books that he has. Um, he's written two books that are great. One of them is a one that I read every year called The Film Buff's Bucket List, which is a, uh, a really good book. And I, like I said, I read it all the time. Like, I, I, I just, I read it all the time. And it's really, really good. And, uh, yeah. But recently he's inspired me because, again, this is a guy who came from a strict religious upbringing you know growing up a Jehovah's Witness being told that what he was doing was wrong but that never stopped him and then he kept working towards um, doing what he wants to do you know and I'll never forget when he made his video announcing that he was directing a film. I'll never forget that he had made this uh, video where he essentially said at the end of it, he said, you know, you're going to hear people tell you no. You're going to hear people say no. Uh, You can't do this, yada, yada, yada. You're going to keep hearing people tell you that, but you you can't give that up. And you're not going to. Because as an artist, you're not going to be fulfilled unless you're doing it. And that is completely true. Deep down, as somebody who wants to make movies, like I feel that every day. I, I love what I do now. I love the fact that I get to podcast and I love my, my current job. I think it's great and I love the people I work with. Um... I think they're fantastic, um, but it, it's never been what I've wanted to do, and it's not something that I don't think, I don't see myself, um, I don't see myself in 10 year in, in 15 years, um, I don't see myself in 15 years doing that, um, I see myself in 15 years being a director, um, that is if AI doesn't take over the Hollywood filmmaking industry. Um, so. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, uh, Chris Duckman's one of those who's inspired me. And I uh, cannot wait to see Shelby Oaks. And the last one I'm going to talk about is James Gunn. Um, someone who... <coughs> um, can do can basically do it all. I mean, he's directed low budget indies, uh, Tromeo uh, and Juliet, which is a weird, weird little movie. Um, Slither, which is a horror comedy, uh, Super, and now he's and then he directed the Guardians trilogy, uh, Suicide the Suicide Squad, which I think is one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. And now he's the head of DC Studios and he's going to be directing Superman. The man is the king of not just, not just, I think he's the king of comic book film, comic book movie filmmaking. 
I really do. Like, I think he's the best director at making comic book movies because he understands that... He understands how to get real emotions, how to get real stakes out of a situation, and that's, I think, a lot of comic book movies have, have missed that 100%. Um, and I think he's kind of proven that superhero fatigue def- definitely does not exist. Um, what does exist is um, um, just people are tired of mediocrity and they want to see they want to see great great movies again they want to see great comic book movies and they don't want to see mediocre garbage like ant-man and the wasp you know uh they want to see something great like the suicide squad or guardians of the galaxy volume three you know um and that's what i love about james gunn and he's definitely inspired me on that level um and it's definitely inspired me to keep writing and uh you know keep you know keep keep being creative you know because with 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 James Gunn that man has one wacky imagination and um i think and it's almost inspired me in such a weird way because i i also kind of have this bizarre like just this crazy wacky sense of imagination uh and a lot of my scripts that I've written are very goofy and 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 somewhat wacky but also have this really hard emotional underpinning to it um I just finished writing uh two feature screenplays both of which are funny and and have a lot of humor in it but underneath there's a lot of dramatic underpinning and it's it's um something that i that that was inspired from me by james gunn's uh directing and in, in his films in particular so all right now that we've talked about all that let's end the show today by reviewing two of this weekend's uh films uh number one Let's start with the first one, and that is No Hard Feelings. This is the Jennifer Lawrence comedy. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence plays a woman who is trying to save her child at home. Um, And to do that, she needs a car so that she can earn some money to do such a thing. And she finds, she discovers a Craigslist ad uh, that from this rich couple who wants her to date their son um so that she can get a car and it is a raunchy r-rated comedy um with jennifer lawrence and look i thought the movie was i thought the movie was good it was a good movie as a comedy i did not love it as a comedy I thought the movie lacked a lot of... I mean, it, the movie just, for me, it just wasn't funny. Like, like that, plain and simple. It just, I just didn't find the movie all that funny. Um, I wanted to find it funny. Like, there's a couple jokes towards the end where I nearly died laughing. Like, I laughed myself sick 
towards the end towards the end um but for the most part i just did not find it funny um i thought it was there's some good moments in it uh i think jennifer lawrence is great i think she has really good i'm surprised with her because she has really great uh comedic timing like i know i've always known that she was a great uh dramatic actress but I'm surprised with her comedic chops because she's really she's got really really great comedic timing. Um, uh, there's one scene, <laughs> there's one scene where she is um, talking to the main to the main uh, one of the 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 19 year old that she is hired to date, and. She, and she, and she and they're in the car and she's saying things that even even that if you were in that situation you'd find incredibly creepy and incredibly uncomfortable um it's a it's a great 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 scene but um yeah like i like i said there were some highlight moments in it but overall not one of the better movies and honestly I feel like it's a movie that you can wait to find it on Netflix. Like it, it's just it's that movie for me. Like it's it's a it's a good movie, but definitely a movie that you can wait for it on streaming. And the next one I'm going to talk about is the Wes Anderson film Asteroid City, and uh, much like Wes Anderson's last film, The French Dispatch, this is a movie that I don't think I am qualified to review because I felt like I was sitting there um I feel like I was I walked into a um a advanced math class where I had no idea what was being talked about and what was being like seriously I I I I was watching this movie and I honestly couldn't even tell you what the plot of the movie is. I seriously could not tell you what the plot of the movie was. Um, I was really, really bored with it. Um, it. It got to a point where I just remember sitting there and I walked out of it being just with my head with my head just like hung like just my my head was just face looking. I just I found myself looking at the floor you know because I just remember thinking to myself, you know, the last movie of Wes Anderson's that I loved was this movie he did called Isle of Dogs. It's a stop-motion film that he directed, and it's it's a great movie, a fantastic movie. But it it's 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 the last movie that he's done that I actually liked you know all of his other films for me have been just so like i i don't know what i don't know what this is what this is even watching the movie i never once got a sense about what the movie was about i thought the performances were great uh jason jason schwartzman scarlett johansson um uh, Tom Hanks. I thought the performances were great, 
I just couldn't get into the movie, though. Like, I really, I seriously could not get into the movie at all. And unfortunately, I kind of have to say, Asteroid City is... Eh. Eh. That's how I felt. So. Alright, guys. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of the Zeke Setso Show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, guys, what do you guys think? On any of the topics that we discussed here today... What did you think? Uh, what What are your thoughts? Let me let me know what you guys thought of any of the topics we discovered we discussed here on the Zeke Said So Show today. Uh, make sure you guys go subscribe to the Zeke Said So Pictures YouTube channel. You're gonna find a lot of out of the theater reactions, um, plus some other videos that will be coming very very soon. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, and guys, uh, yeah. Um, I get oh, ah screw it I'll I'll still plug it despite the fact that it came out in January and I probably shouldn't be plugging it anymore, but I'll plug it. You can go check out my movie What to Watch: A Love Letter to Physical Media. It's available on the Zeke Said So Pictures YouTube channel. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please make sure you share it and subscribe. I'm the answer to subscribe to the podcast because Zeke the Geek said so, and. I will talk to you guys. I will talk to you guys later. And until next time, guys. Plus, guys, hey.